Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I know just by looking in here and through here, I know we got Brandon here and 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 some other people that 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 I know. If you're a mechanic or very mechanically minded, you might want to leave the area because what I'm fixing to say is probably gonna, you know, you may start slobbering at the mouth at at my mechanical abilities. Okay. So the other day, um, we have three riding lawnmowers. We had three riding lawnmowers. And, you know, with all the rain, it's, I, I hate mowing. I can start that thing up and I start sneezing. I, I can be on concrete, start that lawnmower up and I start sneezing. And so, anyway, we had three lawnmowers and we didn't need three lawnmowers. And so I gave one of the lawnmowers away. And then the other day, um, I, I start mowing and, man, it, I could have done a better job by kicking the grass than this mower was doing. So I got in there and I looked at the blades and it's like a 42 inch mower. You know, it got like 22 inch blades on it or something like that. Well, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, like 20 inch blades, all the blades are about this big. <laughs> Cause see, I don't really move anything. I just, you know, if it doesn't want to get mowed, it should get out of the way, right? That's the way I look at it. And so anyway, I, I, I called my wife and I was like, honey, you got to pick up some 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 blades for this mower. And she's like, "Okay, I'll do that." So she she goes in there, and and she gets them, and she comes back, and I I put the mower up on these little car ramps that are out there, which lifts it up about this far, and so I, I get under there, and I'm trying Hercules put those those lawnmower blades on, and so I'm I'm trying to to do this, and anyway, I end up getting a, a ratchet strap and tying the ratchet strap off to the deck of the mower and it runs to the deal and I, you know, I'm laying on my back and I got thorns in me and stuff and, and my, my pipe wrench slips. If you can't use a pipe wrench to do it, it can't be done, right? And so I slip and I gash my whole hand open on the jagged edge of one of those blades. So now I'm happy, right? Yo guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you start singing praises unto God, right? Blessed assurance, I'm going to kill this mower. Actually, I probably should have seen there is power in the blood because it was running all down my hand by now. So I fixed it like any good cowboy does. I went in and got a Band-Aid. The only Band-Aids we had were about this big, so I put 14 of them on there and then wrapped my hand in duct tape. And I went back out there, and I was going to show this lawnmower a what's for. Don't mess with the cowboy, Okay. When a cowboy sets his mind to something, you just got to get it done. So I went over there and grabbed it, and I thought, how silly was I to use these stupid ramps? So I just flipped the thing over. Did I mention to say that I'm not a mechanic? But it was real nice because now it's over on its side, or it's completely over, and I was able just to work on that thing like nobody's business. I might, if you need your lawnmower work on, bring it on over. So I get the blades redone and I turn everything back over. Well, I didn't mention that the starter part is out on it. You can turn it on, but if you click to start it, nothing happens. So what you got to do, because I'm a mechanic and I can fix stuff, is you got to take the plate off and take your screwdriver and jump the solenoid so it'll start. So I take the plate off and I jump the solenoid and it goes, what in the world? So I do it again. Nothing happens. It like 
tries to turn over, but nothing. I'm like, okay, battery, I must have messed with the flux capacitor in the battery or something. So I'm going to get the, I got the jumper cables out. Now, jumper cable, well, actually, it's one of them power starter deals about this big. Well, it's got like 14 settings. If the lowest one will work, the highest one will work better. So you turn it on to the higher one. And I jack it on there, and I hit that solenoid, and the spark flew out about that long, but it still didn't start. So now I'm mad. My duct tape is soaked through with blood. I am no longer singing praises unto God. As a matter of fact, my Christianity might have taken a back seat to my mouth at this time, and I'm not proud of that. But anyway, so I get in there and I think, well, if that big starter with all that electricity can't turn it, I can turn it with my hands. So I move it back and forth, and you can hear it kind of going gurgle, gurgle. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. So I spin it around, and it stops at the same point every time, and I'm thinking, when this thing is locked up or something, it must have some antifreeze in the, in the coolant capacitor or something. So I didn't know how, I don't know nothing about engines or anything, but I know that a spark plug sticks right in the top of it. So what I did is I got down there and I took that spark plug out with a hammer and a chisel. It's hard to do, you should try it. I got it out. And so anyway, I'm down there like that. Well, I can't do the, the, the little cross thing and watch what I'm doing and everything. So I duct taped the, 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 I took the battery off Got the starter on there. I got the clamps on both the positive and the negative, the green and the blue wires, and I think they're that color. So I got them down there, and I need to see what's happening, right? So I got this out. I got everything hooked up, and I've got the little starter and the extension cord so that when I'm ready, all I got to do is plug it in, and it'll start this lawnmower. Let me tell you what was in the cylinder of that, of that lawnmower. 4,000 gallons is the Exxon Valdez in that deal. Because when I hit it, it sprayed oil all over me. Just, <laughs> I backed up. I went to flopping and flapping and didn't know what was going on. I screamed because I thought I'd been inked by an octopus. It was a terrible oil deal. So I got mad and I just let that thing spit oil out there. It wouldn't start because it didn't have a spark plug. It's spitting oil out there. And finally, I got mad and I unplugged it. Stuck it back in there, took the screwdriver off the solenoid, got everything hooked back up, and whoom, fired right up. I looked like a mosquito repellent mowing the grass for the next two hours. There was black smoke just going everywhere. Going everywhere. So if you need any work done, you bring it over to Weatherby's Mechanic Shop, we'll get it fixed right up one way or another. You know, I have a lot of gifts. Well, actually, that's not true. I got one or two gifts. I got lots of desires. I got a few passions. I got a few talents and a couple of gifts. Mechanicking doesn't stick in any of those things. You know, wisdom can be categorized as this. Wisdom is knowing something, okay? Wisdom, excuse me, is, is having knowledge of something, if you will, okay? Understanding is putting that wisdom into practice. Now, I had wisdom in the fact that I knew that that lawnmower wouldn't turn, that something was keeping it from it, and I knew just enough to take that spark plug out, and that was about the extent of my knowledge. But understanding, wisdom is knowing something, understanding is putting that into practical use. Today, we're going to start a four-part series called Better and Better, and I'm going to read a couple of verses, 
and you will know what better and better means. Colossians chapter 1, 9 and 10. Paul says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. See that right there? We ask God to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. What was wisdom? Wisdom is knowing something. Understanding is putting what you know to practical use. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, listen to this, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Today we're going to start a four-part series on learning uh, to know God better and better and better and better and better. In other words, to grow. Now, let, let me say this. <clears throat> you know, a lot of you here, man, if, if I were to, to, to ask or raise a hands, I'm not going to, but you'd say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I, I'm, I, I want to grow. I want to learn. Some of you here, you may not even be here because you want to be here. You're here because somebody, you know, conned you into it or, you know, your wife or your husband is here, or your mom or your dad or whatever, and you think that Christianity is probably just a bunch of malarkey and all of that. You can still get something out of this because the Bible is full of useful wisdom and understanding on how to live your lives. Now, the end result is getting to know God better and better and better, and we're going to show you, especially y'all that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how to live your lives with wisdom and understanding, knowing and doing, and even those of you that aren't sure, you're, you're not sure about this God thing, there's still something in here for you because you know what? You don't have to believe in God for God to love you because the Bible says, yeah, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you're here and you're like, you know what, I'm just here because, you know, uh, my, my buddy made me come and I, I heard, you know, that dude tells some funny stories or something. I'm glad you're here. You're not here by accident. You're here because God wants you to be. The first thing that we're going to talk about today is the Bible says, in, in, and it says it right there, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. I mean, isn't that what we're going for? Is to honor and please the Lord? Or are we out to honor and please ourselves? But it says right here, you and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. That's the first key in getting to know God better and better and better is to live a life that produces good fruit. Now, you want to talk about, I don't know how you can take fruit and make it into a churchy church church term, but, but it is. Good fruit just means the things that you do is good. You do things for other people. Um, the things that you do mean something. In Ephesians chapter 2, I mean, everybody that's been to church like at least one and a half times has probably heard this, okay? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed, okay? Let me, let me I'm going to paraphrase that just for a second. In other words, God saved you because of who He is, not by what you do, okay? God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So in other words, you are saved, and when I mean salvation, when I say that we're saved whenever, you're, whenever you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you inherit eternal life. You will spend eternity in heaven where there is no pain, there is no sorrow, and, and, and life is going to be good, and the other side of that is, is, is really bad. And, but you don't get salvation based upon any good things that you do. It's a gift from God. You can't earn salvation. You can't be good enough to get into heaven. And, and that re that's really a stumbling block for a lot of people because they say, well, I'm a good person, so I should go to heaven. Well, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, none of us are very good because we all 
have been guilty of lying and cheating and saying bad things, not honoring our mothers and fathers like Ty talked about, even if it's a, even if it's a point of just becoming better and knowing Christ more and more and more like he talked about. None of us are good, but we can't earn salvation. Paul says, God saved us by, saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought of yourself like that? That you are a masterpiece? There, there is no Van Gogh. There is no uh, uh, Picasso. There is, there, there's no sculpture. Michelangelo has nothing on what God has done when he made you. You are a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In other words, He wanted us to do good things, and He's wanted that since the beginning. He created you to do good things. Or if you have to have the church word, He created us to do, to produce good fruit. Okay? So the wisdom is this. Don't put the cart before the horse. Okay? Don't put the cart before the horse when we talk about producing good fruit. Salvation is the horse, and good works is the cart. Okay? Don't put the cart before the horse. Our good deeds do not get us eternal life. That's, that's putting the cart before the horse. We do good deeds because of the gift that we have been given, okay? Most people think that whenever uh, Paul says, we're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast, yet James said, show me a faith without works and I'll show you a dead faith. You got to have the cart and the horse. Because we are saved, we do good things for other people. We produce good fruit. We live good lives that, that are representative so other people will come and say, what do you have that I don't? Because you go through these struggles yet you keep your head above water and I keep sinking down and I'm, I'm nearly drowning all the time. What do you have that I don't? You say, I have Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. Or come to save the cowboy and Kevin will tell you about him or I, I don't care whatever God leads you to do. Our good deeds as Christians are the result of salvation, not the cause of it. We were made actually called a masterpiece to do good things for other people. You notice I've said that about three times, that we're to do good things for other people, but isn't it kind of, our natural reaction is to do good things for us. We do things so that our lives will be easier. We do things so that, so that we won't be bothered. We do good things so that, so that we can get something out of it. That's not good fruit, okay? Good fruit always involves somebody else. Just like a cowboy's job is to take care of everything on the ranch, a Christian's job is to take care of other people, whether he feels like it or not. This was planned long ago. I mean, <clears throat> talk to Ty, talk to Dale, talk to Dwight, talk to these ranchers here. Man, j just because you don't feel like checking the cows whenever the, you know that there's going to be a foot of ice in the trough that you just got through chipping this morning, and it's going to be a, a foot of ice again, it doesn't matter. You still go out there and you do it, not because you get anything out of it, because you know it's the right thing to do. Same, th same way as Christians. We got to produce good fruit whether we feel like it or not. So wisdom is not putting the cart before the horse and producing good fruit. And the understanding, remember, understanding is applying what we know. What we're talking about today in getting better and better is if you want to live a life holy and pleasing to God and to get to know Him better and better, then you have to live a life that produces good fruit. So how do we do that? That's the understanding part. Anybody can quote a Bible verse, okay? Can you apply that Bible verse to your life? First thing that we're going to talk about in learning how to produce good fruit, learning how to ride for God, learning how to cowboy 
for the boss, however you want to put it, is this right here, your desires. Well, I mean, let, let, let's just take a second and ask a question. What are your desires? Okay. Well, what are your desires? What do you like to do? Now, a lot of people will say, well, wait a minute, you're talking about other people, now you're talking about ourselves. Well, we're going to make a point, we're going to draw all of this in, because finding out, knowing what you like is key to doing things for God and to producing good fruit. Because Psalm 37, 3 and 4 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. There's a theme here, isn't there? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. God's a cowboy. I mean, it says it right there. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, wait a minute. How can God give you the desires of your heart, but let you turn around and use those for others' benefit? We're going to get into that. You know, my desire, my desire from a little old kid was always to be a cowboy. I, I never, there were times that we lived in town that I didn't have that opportunity. And, and even to the point my dad went to work for the Rocker Bee Ranch and I got out there and I got to go help him. And, and, and always my desire was to be a cowboy. I loved that lifestyle, that lifestyle that said it didn't matter how you felt about something, go out there and do something. I thought cowboys were tough. I thought that they lived by these, these codes right here, courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. I just loved everything about it. It was a desire that I had. And you know what? God gave me the desire of my heart. But I think the pivotal moment and all that was whenever I was going to Texas Tech, I had somebody, an ex-uncle, a guy that used to be married to my aunt, he called me up and he said, he said, hey, you want a cowboy job? I mean, out of the blue. I didn't ask. I, didn't, I wasn't looking for a job. He said, you want a cowboy job? I said, where? He said, Crazy Springs, Texas, on the San Pedro Ranch. I said, yeah. So I told my girlfriend at the time, the, my high school sweetheart, that I'd planned on, mar planned on marrying and everything like that. And I told her, I said, hey, I got a cowboy job. And she goes, you're not going to take it, are you? And I said, why? And she goes, because I'm not waiting on you. I said, well, that makes, it, that makes it easy. She goes, so you're not going? I said, see ya. And I left. God's going to give you the desires of your heart, but you're going to have to choose that. Okay? There's a lot of you that know the desires of your heart, but you're taking the easy way every single time. You, you know, that high-paying job versus this, this doing what you want to do. You, you would rather play it safe than be brave. If you're going to follow the desires of your heart, if you're going to latch on to the desires that God wants to give you that you haven't told anybody about, you're going to have to be brave in order to do it. You're going to have to, what does Psalms 37, 3 and 4 say? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So what does it say right here to get the desires of your heart? you got to trust Him. So very first words, trust in the Lord. It says you got to do good. I mean, you can't, you can't do bad things and expect to be a Christian because we know what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We all know it when we're either, you know, whatever your thing, that thing that you struggle with that you keep doing after time after time after time after time, you know you're not supposed to do that, but yet you keep doing it. It says here, trust Him, do good. It says dwell with Him. Man, that just means hang out with Him. Ty's my friend, okay? I would just know Ty if we just said hi every once in a while. But we ride together, we work together, we rope together. We're friends, we're pards. That's what God wants to be with you. He doesn't want to see you once a week on Sunday morning where you say hello to Him. He wants you to spend every day with Him. He wants you to dwell with Him. And the last thing in order for God to give you the desires of your heart so that you can use those for the benefit of others is you've got to take delight in Him. You've got to take delight in Him. I mean, how many of us go, man, I love God. 
I truly, truly love God. There's nobody else I'd rather hang out with than God. I think most of us at one time or another say, well, that, that's really not me. I mean, I like to just go to church and say amen and, you know, God can stay over there, I'll stay over here. We'll be kind of have that long distance relationship that don't work. To know God better and better, to honor and please the Lord. Discover what your desires are and how they can be used to benefit everyone else besides yourself. Take what you know, what you love, who you want to be, and use those for other people. The second thing that we're going to talk about today on producing good fruit, a life that produces good fruit, is passions. What are your passions? Our desires reveal our passions. So our, our desires, when we figure that out, our desires will reveal what we're passionate about. It says in Colossians 3.23, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Colossians 3.23. You want to know what people are passionate about? Look at what they do for free in their spare time. That will reveal your passions. I mean, I, I know, uh, and, and I, I love my wife for it, you know, in her spare time, and she, and I'm going to say this, I'm not doing it to put her on a pedestal, this is just fact, and I bet 99% of y'all don't know this. She moved up here with me, didn't know a single person, but yet in the four years we've been here, she has volunteered at the Anastasis Christian Academy. She's a life coach, and she just volunteered her time. As a life coach, she has volunteered at the street school. These kids that got kicked out of regular school, the street school is the last line of education for them. If they get kicked out of the street school, they don't get an education. She went in and volunteered with the kids that, have, that can't make it in other ones. She volunteered at, the, at the, the local Echo store with that community deal. She's volunteered at the Ecumenical Society that, that gets refugees from other countries that, that are probably going to be killed and they seek asylum in the United States, she volunteers and, and helps those people. Now, she doesn't do it so that she can come around here and tell y'all all about it, but that's her passion. Her passion is helping people, not just talking about what God says to do. She puts her passions into practice. I have seen Ty use his passions of cowboying and roping. <clears throat> I've known him for about three years now, a little over, and he used to be a real good roper, and now... Half the time I ask him, I said, well, did, how'd you do this weekend at the rope? And he goes, I did pretty good. I said, you won it, didn't you? He goes, yeah. I don't think he's lost one yet. And you know what he says? He says, I don't even care about the rope anymore. I go for the fellowship so that I can hang out with other cowboys and cowgirls. I've made it into a ministry. He said, half the time they tell me, it's your turn to rope. And he said, I got to go over there. And he said, God works through his passions. He does it when he's not doing anything. He, he would do it for free. What are your passions? When we do things that we're passionate about, it's easy to do them willingly for the Lord. You know, my passion was helping people. I've always been that guy, and there's another side to it that's probably a lot like y'all. I never mind helping anybody. If you need help, hey man, can you come help me? I'll drop what I'm doing and I'll go help people. I like doing that. It brings me pleasure helping somebody else do something. What are you passionate about? We talked about desires. Your desires will reveal your passions. Well, you know what your passions will reveal? Your passions will reveal your talents. What are you good at? You know, in the Bible, there's a parable. A parable is just merely a sermon illustration. It's the way Jesus preached most of the time. He'd say, hey man, it's like this. And he would tell something that somebody was easy to understand. And, and one of these, ta the parable of the talents, now talent was, a, was a, like, a, like a piece of money, like a gold piece or something. 
And he tells this, this parable about he gives uh, one, and I'm just going to use a cowboy illustration. He gives one horse to one cowboy, and he gives a, a couple more horses to another cowboy, and he gives a bunch of horses to another cowboy, and he says, hey, man, do something with those. And he leaves. And so the first guy, he's only got one horse, and he's scared that something bad's going to happen. So he just locks it in a stall and says, man, I'll just be sure it's safe whenever the boss gets back. The guy with a couple of horses, he goes, you know what? I'm going to break them. And so he broke them. And then he went and traded those two broke horses for four unbroke horses. And he comes back and he starts breaking them. And then the guy with the 10 talents, he does the same thing, man. He goes over there and he breaks all 10. And then he goes and trades those 10 for 20 more. And now he's got 20 and, and he's working on them. And the boss comes back and the boss goes up to the one with 10. And he goes, hey, what'd you do with the, all them horses I gave you? He said, I broke all 10 of those and I traded them for 20 more. You got 20 horses over here. And I've started breaking all of them. He said, man, good job. He goes up to the guy with a couple of horses. He said, what'd you do with the horses I gave you? He said, man, I did the same thing that fellow did, man. I, I broke those two and I traded them off for four more and, and I'm breaking them. And now you got four horses instead of two. He said, man, that's stand up right there. And he goes to the one guy and he said, what'd you do with that horse? He said, man, I know you're a hard guy to work for. And I was really scared that I'd cripple this horse or something. So I ain't done nothing with it except keep it safe and feed it. You know what the boss told him? Get out of here. You're worthless. Because he didn't do anything with the horse he gave you. He didn't use what he had been given. In other words, he didn't use the talent that he gave. He just gave him one talent. It couldn't have been much more to choose from. He only had one option. He only had one thing to do and he couldn't do anything with it. The parable of the talents, those who can be trusted with a little more will be given unto them. That was the whole point. If you feel like you're stuck, are you using the talents that God gave you for other people and for the Lord? Or are you just using them for selfish gain? A lot of Christians, they're still going to heaven, but they never get past that point right there because they don't use what God has already given them. He doesn't use the ta they don't use the talents for something bigger than themselves. My talents, you know, I told you that I had a desire for being a cowboy. I had a passion for helping people. I, I help people all the time. <clears throat> Most of the time I didn't get paid for it. 99% of the time I didn't get paid for it. But my talent, I never realized until later that the two talents that I have is I can tell a pretty good story and I can make things that it's really hard to understand. I can make it a little easier. Even in math class, I was good in math and my friends would come up and they'd say, hey, can you help me with this? And I'd say, yes. And they'd say, I don't understand this. I said, all you got to do is this. And they'd say, well, why didn't the teacher just say that? And I said, well, I don't know, but don't worry about what the teacher said. That, you know, that's, that's what you do. My talents were telling stories and making hard things easy to understand. If you want to grow, use what you've already been given for God and more will be given unto you. You've got to use what you've already been given. Every single one of you have been given something, at least one talent. Are you using it for God and His glory? Or are you just using it for yourself? And the last thing, if you want to learn to produce good fruit in your life, if you want to learn to do good things, you've got to know what your desire is, you've got to know what your passion is, because your desires reveal your passions, your passions reveal your talents, and your talents will reveal your gifts. Gifts are special skills. Gifts are special skills given by God and by God alone. Our desires reveal our passions. Our passions reveal our talents. Our talents can reveal our gifts. But the one thing that I want to encourage you, the one caveat, the one thing is this: don't confuse talent with gift. Okay, a talent can be learned. Okay, and He's given us talents. Talents can be learned. Gifts can only come from God. A lot of people say, well, my gift is horse training. No, that's a talent because you can learn that. I can teach, Ty can teach nearly any of you, nearly, you like that? 
nearly any of you to train a horse. You may not be very good at it, but he can teach you, okay? Don't confuse talents with gifts. My desire was to be a cowboy. My passion was helping people. My talents were telling stories and making hard things easy to understand. And my gift, my gift is preaching. And I only use that just as an illustration so that you can see what I'm talking about. I always wanted to be a cowboy and I loved helping people and, and I could tell a good story and I had kind of a knack for, for making hard things easy to understand and God took all of those things and created a gift and it's called preaching. In 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, this is what Peter says. Now Peter was one of those three guys that was closest to Jesus and he says, each one should use whatever gifts he has to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. What Peter said. This is where you discover your purpose in life. When you start getting your, your desires and your passions and your talents and your gifts and you start using them, just like Peter said, to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. In other words, your gift isn't going to be like His gift and her gift isn't going to be like my gift. Whatever God has you. This is where you discover your purpose in life. When you, you know that, that deal of we always say, what do you want to be when you grow up? God will answer that for you when you start using your uh, desires, your passions, your talents, and your gifts for His glory. This is where your life starts having meaning. This is when you wake up in the morning and you go, you know what, I love my life and I know what I'm supposed to do now. This is where the joy that surpasses all understanding comes from. This is when, when things start going bad and you can still be happy, even though those things are hard. This is where that starts happening. This is where everything starts to make sense. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Paul says, So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. And I'm, that's not talking about save the cowboy. That's talking about the fellowship of believers. That's not saying anything different than Jesus said. He said, go out into the world, make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what I told you. Do you know what would happen if we had just three people using the gifts that God gave them to reach those who are lost without God? You know what would happen if there was three people sitting out here or watching on the internet or listening on the radio, three people that said, you know what, I'm going to start doing everything I can to tell people about Jesus Christ. They would change thousands of lives. Just three people. This has already happened once. What would happen if God used 12 people that sold out, that gave everything they had and said, you know what, I'm going to ride for God. I'm going to ride for the long X. I'm going to ride for the cross. I'm going to ride for Jesus. What would happen to those 12 men? God, through those 12 men, called disciples, later called apostles, changed the world. You can be part of that. What about five people? If God could do all that through 12 men, I wonder what He could do with 20 women. Probably even more. What about an entire gathering of cowboys and cowgirls wanting to live and ride for Him? You know what would happen if every single one of y'all listening here today would say, you know what, I'm going to discover my desire, I'm going to talk about my passions, I'm going to it's going to reveal my talents, and I'm going to use my gifts to edify the church, to grow the church, to bring people to know Jesus like I know Him. You know what would do? You know what would happen? It would change Elbert County. You know what would happen if all y'all watching online? It would change your communities. And those communities would change their, their counties. And their counties would change their states. And their states would change our country. And our country could change the world. And you know who it starts with? You. You ready to ride? You ready for your life to have purpose and meaning? Do you want to know God better and better and better? Because some of you, you want that, but your life away from church is just kind of for yourself. You can change that starting right now. 
So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. You've heard what I've said today. Can you go and apply it? Spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. You'll make a difference. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Come back the next three weeks and we're going to continue to talk about how to know God better and better and better. And if you happen to miss, you can always catch us online. We've got podcasts for your, for your fancy phones, for your pocket phones. There's no reason why you should miss doing all of this. Let your lives always honor and please the Lord, and then your lives will produce every kind of good fruit through our desires, passions, talents, and gifts that we're using to build up the church. Wisdom is knowing that God created a masterpiece in us to do good works for others. Understanding is applying what we know through our desires, through our passions, through our talents, and especially the gifts that God has given us. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we're so thankful for the lives you've given us. Give us the courage, honor, respect, integrity, strength, and truth to live our lives in service of others for the purpose of building up your church and bringing glory and honor to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.